Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. The keto diet is a very low-carb, high-fat diet. The idea is to trick your body into thinking you're actually starving, so it feeds off your fat supplies. That state is called ketosis, and the diet has many converts. In fact, one St. Louis biotech startup, it's called Readout Health, sees an entire business model built around a device to help practitioners track their ketosis. Now, that company's CEO, Jim Howard, was on our show last month explaining the idea. The biosense device is the first non-invasive way to check your ketones, or the really the level that you're burning fat in, uh, in your body. So it does it through breath, which is very easy to do. And more importantly, it actually checks that throughout the day. So you can see what your metabolic response is based on the foods that you have, uh, the exercise that you do. That's Jim Howard of Readout Health. Now, we also talked to a local woman who's practicing the keto diet. Mary Dinkle raved about the benefits, and she said they include not just weight loss, but what sounds almost like a heightened state of being. And brain health is so great with ketosis. You think much clearer. I can get up much easier. Um, my energy is back. And I can tell the holidays are tough. You get to drink, and you get to have some carbs and cookies. Um, it's not as much fun. You know, it's, it lasts only for a little bit, but being in ketosis is fabulous. And that's Mary Dinkle raving about the keto diet. Now, it all sounded great, but after the show, we did hear from a listener who was genuinely concerned. Ketosis isn't nirvana, she told us. It's dangerous. How can it be good to trick your body into thinking that it's starving? That seemed like a good question. So we wanted to bring on some some experts to answer it. And the first expert who's joining us today is Dr. Sam Klein. He's the director of the Center for Human Nutrition at Washington University School of Medicine, and he's joining us today by phone. Uh, Dr. Klein, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. And we're also joined by Whitney Linsenmeyer. She's a Ph.D., a registered dietitian, an assistant professor of nutrition at St. Louis University, and a spokesperson for the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. Uh, Whitney, welcome to the show. Happy to be here. So, Whitney, I want to start with you. What is ketosis? So ketosis is an altered state of metabolism um, where the body is using a different substrate for energy. So instead of using glucose as the primary source, the body is breaking down fats and using uh, ketone bodies as an energy source. So it's really this altered state of metabolism. And as you said, it kind of mimics um, starvation without actually inducing starvation. So a lot of us have heard this term ketoacidosis. How is ketosis different from ketoacidosis? Sure. So ketoacidosis is an advanced state um, of ketosis, and it's very severe, um, can be life-threatening. Typically, we're seeing this in patients with type 1 diabetes that would be showing up to the ER in this state. So um, a much more severe um, and advanced case. So Dr. Klein, I'm wondering, should it scare us that ketosis and ketoacidosis are so close linguistically and then also in terms of maybe their relationship to each other? Could someone slip from ketosis, which seems like a good thing, into ketoacidosis, which seems potentially really bad? Uh, not really. Uh, nutritional ketosis doesn't really cause ketoacidosis. It's possible that it could do that in people who have really severe metabolic abnormalities, like people with type 1 diabetes. But even for people with type 2 diabetes, it'd be very unlikely for a nutritional ketosis to convert to ketoacidosis. And people undergo prolonged starvation where they're very ketotic, never uh, achieve ketoacidosis, which, as was mentioned, a very dangerous metabolic event. Okay. Whitney, do you agree with that overall, that, that sort of slipping from one to another would be hard unless you have this particular type of diabetes? 
Yes. And really, when we see this happening, it's it's type 1 diabetes where we're concerned. Okay. Yes. So what would be your reaction, uh, Whitney, if a patient who has no conditions and is not obese wants to try out a keto diet to stay healthy and lose weight. Would, would you encourage that? So one of my concerns with the keto diet um, is that it's really restrictive of a lot of those plant-based foods that we recommend as being part of the foundation of a healthy diet. So things like fruits and vegetables, whole grain, beans and legumes, all those plant foods are going to contain carbohydrates um, and therefore have to be really severely restricted. So we're worried about things like um, very low fiber, um, a lot of times uh, very low micronutrient intake can happen to be the case in terms of you know how this actually plays out since a lot of those fruits and vegetables are um, so limited. So those are kind of the two of the concerns that arise um, when we're following such a low carbohydrate diet. So safe to say you would not recommend a healthy person try this. I do not recommend this as an approach for weight loss. Really, the one population where we have good science is for patients with epilepsy. And this is you know, considered the standard of care for those patients and can be very helpful in both um, youth and adolescents and adults. Um, but beyond that, we don't have good science to support this as the primary approach for weight loss. And I want to get to that epilepsy exception here in a minute. But first, Dr. Klein, I want to flip that same question to you. What would be your reaction if a patient who has no conditions and is not obese and is not epileptic, what if they wanted to try the keto diet? Would you encourage that? Yeah, I, th- I would agree. I think someone who is already healthy and lean, uh, sticking to a, a, a mixed and diverse diet is probably the best choice and no need to think about going on a ketogenic type of diet. But a ketogenic diet should be used for people who have medical abnormalities where this could be beneficial. And there's a host of different um, diseases like obesity, diabetes, seizure disorders you mentioned, and now maybe even cancer from studies in mice that suggests uh, a ketogenic diet might have therapeutic effects. And what is it about it, um, do you think, that is causing that effect, say, for somebody with cancer? Yeah, it's, again, pretty much theoretical, but based on studies in rodents, it seems that by going to a ketogenic diet, you reduce the concentration of insulin and other growth factors in the blood that stimulate cancer growth, and you also reduce the fuel supply for cancers because Mm -hmm. cancer uh, feeds mostly on on glucose and carbohydrate and not on fatty acids or ketones. Hmm. Is that tied at all to why it would also work for epileptics? The the reason for its effectiveness in epilepsy is completely unclear to me, uh, and maybe your other guests can help clarify it. Uh, but you know, the brain does uh, prefer uh, a ketone body source of fuel uh, when it's available, and so this might just be providing a good source of uh, energy and metabolism for the brain. Whitney, any thoughts on that? Do you think what Dr. Klein explained there might be why it, it works for epileptics? Yeah, so my understanding from you know our practice paper from the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics on this topic is really that it's not truly not fully understood as to why this is effective um, in patients with epilepsy. But two of those um, underlying theories are to those changes in the type of energy that we're using, so kind of that metabolic shift from glucose as the primary source um, to ketone bodies, which then has you know is impacting our um, insulin levels as well, um, and then also alterations in the types of neurotransmitters in, on this type of diet in, in this metabolic state. So. So, again, not fully understood, but those are sort of the two arms as to why this is proposed to be effective in that one patient population. So we do want to hear from those of you who are listening out there. We're wondering if you've tried the keto diet and how it worked for you. You can give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. And we also have a third guest who's with us today. And this is somebody who has a lot of experience of 
seeing people try different diets and, in this case, top athletes. And that's Simon Lewski. He's the owner of Revel Kitchen in Brentwood, um, which some people may remember as Athlete Eats. It has a huge cult following among athletes and um, those who are trying to really maximize their physicality. And he was with the Cardinals for seven years as their chef slash nutritionist, has also worked with the St. Louis Rams and the St. Louis Blues. So, Simon, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So say you have somebody you're working with that wants to practice keto. What would be sort of a classic keto meal that you would recommend? That's a good one to jump right into there. Um, You know, I think everybody likes to to think of all the fun stuff um, when they get to do the keto diet, like the uh, fatty meats and cheeses. That's uh, what I would go to. Like bacon, right? Um, But I always like to say, like, don't forget about the vegetables. Um, And there is a good variety of vegetables that you can get in there. And I always like to start, whether it's the keto diet, any diet, with that base there. I think it's always good to start. And, you know, lean and green is always a good good motto, I always like to say. Um, But you are going to want to get some fats in there. And I think focusing on the healthy ones, um, so incorporating fish uh, in those as well, too. And also a lot of good, healthy cooking oils, olive oils, things like that, um, sunflower oil. So I think, you know, I like to just have a nice rounded meal. One of my personal favorites would be just like a nice piece of fish with some sauté greens and some healthy, you know, good tasting oils in there to kind of season up. And the best part about keto is you can still use all the spices and flavorings as well. Now, Whitney, our other guest, was saying one of her concerns about the keto diet would be that people wouldn't necessarily get the vegetables that they need. But you're saying some vegetables, if, if you're doing this right, would fit under this diet? What's the difference between ones that you would avoid on keto versus ones that you could still consume? Of course. So there's starchy vegetables, um, like our good friend, the potato, um, you know, which is pretty much a, you know, a carb, but it is a vegetable. So Um, you can't eat that. Can't have potatoes, unfortunately. Breaking my heart here. Right. But you can't have the bacon, I guess. Right. Um, But you can have things like Green is always a very good indicator that you can have it. It's going to have basically little to no carbs per serving. Um, so that's going to include a lot of, you know, salad greens. It's going to have things like asparagus um, in there. But you're going to want to have to, even if it's green, there's going to be things in there like snap, pea, snap peas, green beans, things like that that you are maybe possibly going to want to avoid. Okay. Now, have you seen elite athletes actually trying this diet? Yeah, absolutely. Um you know, I've seen it for a prolonged period of years um, or even kind of used in the short term in the off season to possibly cut some body fat as well, too. And so are they doing this on a short term basis? Uh, how long are you seeing people sort of dig into this? Um, both. Um, so, you know, definitely um, a lot of guys, they they try a lot of things. They, they're listening to, you know, things like this all the time and what's hot and what's new. Um, So when they hear this and maybe there's something that they can try and maybe get an edge, they're going to try it. Um, And some people have had some great success with it and they continue to use it and they feel great. Um, And they have the great, you know, advantage of having doctors and, you know, professionals around them all the time who can monitor this for them. So that's a big advantage that they have versus the, you know, regular day person. Um, But, you know, they... I would say the most popular way that I've seen it used um, is kind of an off-season, cut the body fat after they kind of, you know, have their couple weeks of layoff and maybe they, you know, let their body go a little bit because the body after the length of a season, you know, as much as in shape that they are, it it is taxing. Um, And so they sometimes like to kind of get that reset in there. But yeah, I would say more of a short-term use for the athletes. Okay. And too, something that um, I think is important to think about when we're thinking about the keto diet is an approach for weight loss. Um, sometimes I think that people get in the mindset that if you're in ketosis, that calories don't matter anymore in terms of, you know, 
energy in and energy out, but I think it's Because you're in the state of home. burning. So people are thinking, I can just eat whatever I want. So yes, burning fat for fuel, but it can be fat from the body, the stored fat, or fat from the diet. So you can be still consuming more calories than you're burning and gain weight on a very high fat diet. I think it tends to be a little bit self-limiting because it is you know, very filling to eat such a high fat diet. But I think it's important to drive home the message that that concept of energy balance and the importance of calories doesn't go out the window with a keto diet. I saw Simon nodding his head as you were saying that. Is this a, a misconception that people have? Yes, You've heard 100%. this before. I mean, I think everybody can agree that there's just the very easy thing of that you know, you have to be burning more than you're putting in. And really, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what diet you're doing. And that's kind of the age-old tale there. The core principles yes. still apply. 100%. We're talking to Simon Lusky. He's the owner of Revel Kitchen in Brentwood, um, which has a great following among athletes. And we're also talking to Whitney Linsenmeyer, um, who's an assistant professor of nutrition at St. Louis University, as well as Dr. Sam Klein. He's the director of the Center for Human Nutrition at Washington University School of Medicine. And we're talking about that keto diet. If you've got questions for any of our experts here, we've got a great panel. You can give them a call at 314 38 828255. That's 382 Talk. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. Dr. Klein, I want to go back to you. What does science say about the validity of the keto diet? Yeah, so there's a, a couple of things. The first thing is what's remarkable when you put someone on a low carbohydrate diet, they do not compensate by eating excess amounts of fat. Uh, and other nutrients, so they lose weight. It's very difficult for someone on a ketogenic diet not to lose weight. We've actually tried it multiple times in our studies, which you can actually go to our website, gns.wustl.edu, to take a look at our studies. But it's very difficult for someone to maintain a regular body weight on a ketogenic diet because they do not compensate by eating more or other calories. The other thing, though, is about... um, with a ketogenic diet is that it might have beneficial effects on certain metabolic diseases independent of weight loss itself. And so the biggest example, for example, is type 2 diabetes, where we know carbohydrates require insulin uh, for its metabolism, and that's deficient in people with type 2 diabetes. And so that if you eat less carbohydrate, you require less insulin, and you can have better glucose control in a low-carbohydrate diet. That doesn't mean it has to be a ketogenic diet, but a low-carbohydrate diet works. But studies have shown ketogenic diets can be very effective in treating type 2 diabetes and even cause remission of type 2 diabetes without the need of medications. Hmm. Whitney, I know you're a lot more skeptical about the keto diet overall. Are you seeing things in scientific research that give you pause, or is it more just that the jury's still out? I think there's absolutely research that is in progress and happening right now and getting published um, and showing some promising results. Uh, to me, the you know a robust body of evidence isn't quite there to where we're recommending this as the standard of care. Okay. So you continue to sort of be, you want to see more before you're actually going to recommend this for people. Um, You had mentioned that when epileptics um, start using this diet, that they're under, people are watching them very carefully. Tell me what that would look like if I had epilepsy and I was about to go seriously into the keto diet. What would a nutritionist be doing at that point to help me do it right? So actually the standard of care, especially with the pediatric population where we're really concerned, um, is to induce ketosis in an inpatient setting. So spending three, sometimes four days in the hospital to gradually induce ketosis, uh, to monitor their labs, and also to allow time for patient education um, and to, um, to be able to address some of those 
um, side effects that we expect to occur, things like um, you know constipation with a very low fiber diet. So again, I think that has a lot of logistical concerns, right? That's a pretty tall order for a patient and can be very expensive. So I frankly don't expect that that's actually happening all around the country, um, but that is what is published in terms of our standard of care. What would be the worst case scenario for somebody who tries this diet, isn't getting any sort of medical supervision, and they screw up how they're supposed to be doing it? I think one of the potential um, considerations for concern is uh, very low blood sugar or hypoglycemia, um, which would have symptoms like you know dysia, na- nausea, um, extreme fatigue. So those are some of the kind of red flags to be looking for okay. that we would expect. I want to go to the phone lines. We've got a number of people who I think like to pick all of uh, your brains here. So Jean is calling from St. Louis. Uh, Jean, hi, you're on St. Louis on the air. Uh, hi, how do you do? Yeah, I just I didn't hear a whole lot said about type two diabetics. Um, I've been on that for about eight years, and I was controlling it, have been controlling it pretty well with diet and exercise. But occasionally, blood sugar would would jump up into the one forties or so instead of the teens or thirties. And it seems like since I've been on this for about eight months, um, it's a very to me it was a very easy diet to, to follow. But it's also give me a lot better control over my blood sugar, and I do a lot of a lot of exercise anyway. Well, but uh, there didn't seem to be any downsides that that I could find. Um, I'm pretty reasonable about this, but I just want to hear if there are any comments. Uh, and and you, you know, were looking them. for information particularly about uh, which type of diabetes? Type two. Type two. Um, yeah, Dr. Klein, any thoughts about type two diabetes and keto? Yeah, uh, type two. I mean, the cornerstone of treating type two diabetes, the primary approach, is weight loss and increasing physical activity, which already your uh, you know viewer has already um, mentioned. But a ketogenic diet is very effective in reducing the need for glycemic control by using medications. And there are some very um, nice studies out there that really show a ketogenic diet can really do exactly what your viewer has uh, has experienced themselves in terms of improving glucose control, reducing the need for medications, uh, and even in, in many cases, getting off of medications completely. Okay. Well, Gene, thank you for that call. We're glad to hear you're doing so well. Uh, let's go to Mary Ann calling from St. Louis. Hi, you're on St. Louis on the air. Thank you all. Thanks for taking my call. It was always my understanding that when you dramatically reduce your calorie intake to lose weight, that your body doesn't burn fat, stored fat. It starts to burn muscle for energy. Is that correct or incorrect? Um, Simon, I'm going to go to you on this since you work with a lot of athletes. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's a really good question. Um, And in the, uh, I think we were having this conversation before the show, but in the ultra uh, marathon uh, population, we're actually seeing the ketogenic diet being used um, for their primary kind of competing diet because it can unlock this, you know, potential basically fuel tank for them. But one of the things that they do fight while, you know, running these long marathons is this muscle wasting while they're doing it because their body starts grabbing these other things when they kind of run out of that fuel. So it's really important when you do have that ketogenic diet that you're getting that proper ratio of fats and protein. So it's not using the actual muscle as a as a fuel source and actually using the fat in your body and not the muscle. Dr. Klein, does that all sound um, right to you? Yeah, I mean, when you, lose, when you eat less calories than you burn up, you consume protein, you consume fat and carbohydrate in your body. But the primary source of fuel is always fat. 
And so, um, and it, it really doesn't make that much of a difference if the calorie composition is high or low in carbohydrate in terms of the, the proportion of calories that you're losing from different parts of the body. Okay. Well, Marianne, thank you so much for that phone call. Let's go to Sharon calling from U City. Um, Sharon, hi, you're on St. Louis on the Air. Hi. Yeah, thank you. I, I am uh, rather thin in my, in, in my build, and, and I found out just several months ago that I have carotid arteries. What does a diet like this that's primarily fat do for someone's arteries? I went on a plant-based diet and uh, made some huge improvements. So, but but I miss I, I miss a lot of salmon. Yeah, and <laughs> the oil. Sharon, thank you for that question. Whitney, I'm wondering, do you have any thoughts on that? Do do we know, is there any research into what it might do for artery problems? So that's one of the concerns that often gets brought up with such a high-fat diet. Um, And it is one of the suggested contraindications with the keto diet. But there is research to show that it actually doesn't have kind of those, you know, theorized effects on uh, lipid levels that we might um, expect to see. So we've seen that there's actually sometimes no effect in some studies, or we've even seen in some other studies lipid levels improving. Okay. So it sounds like this is something where Sharon might want to approach this with caution. Yes. And I think, you know, if the plant-based diet is working well, that's one where we we do have good evidence for that, especially high in, you know, fibers and um, vitamins and minerals that we get with those plant foods. Okay. Well, Sharon, we want to thank you for your call. Um, We're basically out of time here today. I want to thank all of our guests for their their great insights into this. Um, Whitney Linsenmeyer, Assistant Professor of Nutrition at St. Louis University, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And Dr. Sam Klein of Washington University School of Medicine, thank you for being here. Thanks, Sarah. And finally, Simon Lusky, the owner of Rebel Kitchen. Um, Thank you for all your insight. Thank you. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWNU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.